Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters. I'm your host, podcaster Belle Crawford, and on the show, we're joined by someone I discovered on TikTok, and I love her videos. Liz Tenuto, also known as the Workout Witch Online. Liz has a degree in psychology and has a clinical background working with people recovering from pain and injury and is now a somatic specialist. After experiencing long-term pain and getting no relief, Liz discovered somatic therapy, which changed her life. So what is somatic healing and how does trauma and stress get stored in the body? What types of exercises should we be doing? Find out in my conversation with Liz, and we also discuss hormone health and recovering from narcissistic abuse. Before we get into it, can you please make sure that you hit subscribe on your podcast app? We're on all of them. Also, follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram, where you can watch videos of our conversation. Right, let's get into it. Liz, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. You're known online as the Workout Witch, and it's so cool to have a chat with you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, now we're going to go through all your work and learn all about you. But first, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Liz Tenuto. I'm a somatic specialist, and I'm best known for my work with the hips and trauma release. Yeah, we're going to go through all that and how it all works soon. I find it so interesting watching your videos online, but take us back. Where did you grow up? And growing up, did you know what you wanted to do at all? Yeah, so I grew up, I'm from California, still live here. I grew up in San Diego, which is Southern California. I now live in Northern California near San Francisco. And I have always had an interest in psychology, in wellness, And I actually majored in psychology in college, but I also, when I was very young in my early twenties, I had chronic physical pain and I was doing everything. I was, you know, like going to acupuncture, talk therapy, meditation, yoga, doctors, physical therapists, and um, nothing was working. And then I, on a whim, just tried somatics and felt better in like four lessons. And that is what made me pursue that. Yeah. Tell us a bit about somatics. What is it and how does it work? So soma literally translates to the body. And so somatic therapy and somatic healing is the healing of your body after trauma. There are emotional and mental aspects of trauma. And then there's a whole physical component and everything is very related. And I think what's so interesting about somatics is it's this really, essentially it's like gentle movement exercises that you do to regulate your nervous system, get your body out of its survival mode, get your body out of its habitual stress response. We're any unprocessed emotions and like stored trauma that's left in your body. We're going to go through all that soon because honestly, it's so fascinating. But tell us about your physical pain. And like you said, you tried all the things and this actually worked for you. What sort of pains were you experiencing? And, you know, what was how was this affecting you in your life? I had chronic muscle tension. So my shoulders were like up to my ears like this. They were also very rounded forwards. I had pretty bad posture where my neck was kind of jutted forwards. We now call that text neck. 
lots of shoulder pain, lots of shoulder tension, lots of neck pain. My jaw locked for a long time where I like couldn't really even open my mouth to eat. Um, I had hip pain to the point that like I couldn't sit or stand, lower back pain. And um, the thing that really was the kicker was I also got plantar fasciitis. And um, that's like when the connective tissue on the bottom of your feet gets really hard. So it was just like a head to toe pain situation for me. And I was very young and I felt like, you know, and I was otherwise pretty healthy, like my habits were pretty healthy. So I felt like it didn't make sense to me why I was experiencing that. And I later learned, you know, that it was a lot due to childhood trauma and a lot of stored trauma in my body. Yeah. So talk us through that. I know that's really personal, but for a lot of people, I don't think, unless you're going through these things, we think of trauma as something you experience, but it's something that not only your mind experiences and your emotions, but your body goes through it as well. So it makes sense that your body would be affected, but for some reason it's so disconnected when we think about those things, right? Yeah, a thousand percent. And we don't, you know, Western medicine especially really treats, doctors really treat your body as this separate entity. So it's just your body. They're never going to ask you, at least in the US, they never ask you about, you know, what's going on with you emotionally. Have you lost your job? Did you have a shift in your family? Like they don't ask you any of those questions. So they don't, they're never really kind of, even assessing whether or not emotional trauma could be a cause of your pain or of your health condition. Yeah. And it's, I guess, you know, you try to treat this pain like you were physically, but then I guess looking at it from other ways as well, like how can people work out where their physical pain is linked to something maybe more emotional or trauma? Like what are some signs that you do have trauma in your body? Yeah. So if you have long-term hip, low back or neck pain, um, and long-term is like longer than three months, that's a pretty clear indicator, um, especially if it like won't go away with massage or something like that. Frequent headaches more than three times per week. If you have unexplained chest pains, chronic muscle tension, um, if you feel constantly fatigued or exhausted, if you have sleep issues, if you have gut issues, autoimmune disorders, brain fog, as well, difficulty concentrating, and then also long-term anxiety and depression. It could be quite hard to work out if these are just things you're experiencing what if it is trauma? Like, how do you work out if it's trauma and if it's just, if it's not trauma? In terms of working out, if you, if your body is, if you're feeling like really fatigued, tense, and in pain, you definitely don't want to do any high intensity type of workout whatsoever. It's just all about low impact and almost kind of like meditative low impact. So swimming, walking, using the rower machine is good because it's your whole body and it's kind of like rhythmic and that rhythmic, um, that repetitive motion can help with your nervous system. Pilates on the machines are really great. And then to get your body out of that state, somatic exercises are the best thing to do. So we we suggest that people do somatic exercises for a certain amount of time. And then once your body gets out of that state, go back to your skiing, your tennis, your snowboarding, whatever you like to do. Yeah. What are some of these? And I know people can go watch your videos to, to get some ideas and some really great um, exercises, but what are some of those exercises 
we can be doing if you're in that time where you're just needing to stretch out and keep it low impact, like you've just explained to us? Yeah, the the exercise that I love to have people start with is a rocking exercise. So you lay on your bed on your stomach and you place your hands like near your forehead and let your forehead rest on your hands. And then you just take your um, hips side to side, rocking them side to side, kind of just sloshing right to left. And you want to do it in a really lazy, relaxed, unambiguous ambitious way and you can do it for a minute to two minutes and you'll notice as you do that that a few you'll have you'll feel a few different effects number one you'll feel some immediate pain relief in your hips and in your lower back some immediate tension relief number two you might feel more relaxed and more calm because the bilateral stimulation act actually activates your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, And same with like the really even rhythm of the rocking movement. So rocking is like one of the most therapeutic movements that you can do. That's why we do it to babies. That's where I suggest people start. Yeah, what does rocking tell you? Does it tell you that you're safe? Does it calm you? What does it do to our physical bodies? It activates the so there are two main like there's the sympathetic nervous system which is more activated and then there's the parasympathetic which is like rest ease relaxation when you're rocking it actually takes you into that parasympathetic state so you just naturally connect to ease and and relaxation and it's really about so like there's another technique called EMDR in in somatic therapy which is like when a therapist will talk you through certain memories and then they do their hands right and left opening and closing and that's also bilateral stimulation you you use your eyes to track the hands in this version with the rocking you're letting your hips go side to side and that's the bilateral stimulation but they both have the same effect which is creating new neural pathways into much more ease and much more peace within your body yeah it's so interesting and it is something that I think a lot of people experience whether it's from trauma or not a tightness in your hips and in our lower backs I notice I get a lower back sometimes especially if I'm doing like vacuuming or housework at home I'm like oh my lower back hurts um but yeah. if you're exercising you know people always say make sure you're stretching out your hips your glutes and everything and I re- you get a really good not only physical release but it's really quite such a good feeling when you do, you know, whether it's lying down and having your legs in pigeon pose or whatever, you sort of do feel really good. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. powerful. It's really powerful stuff. Yeah. Why does pain, I mean, it's different for everyone, but why does pain go to our hips and our back the most, especially, you know, you, you hear, and I've seen a lot of your work, it is in the hips. So why does it go for that place? Yeah. So it's largely due to where your psoas muscle is. So the psoas muscle connects it's a huge muscle and it connects your upper body to your lower body it's like colloquially called the muscle of the soul because your psoas muscle actually like contracts anytime you experience emotional trauma um and then the weird thing about the psoas muscle is it just stays contracted until you release it so your psoas muscle starts like right by your diaphragm it wraps around your back under your shoulder blades and then it comes down past your lower back and then connects 
next to the front of your hips. So it's this huge muscle. It's also a very internal muscle. It's very deep. And that muscle just contracts along the psoas muscle up near the top are your adrenal glands too. So anytime you experience emotional trauma or stress, you get more adrenaline. So that's pumping and that goes right. It just funnels right down into your hips. And then that muscle gets really tight and then it stays really tight. And that's why the hip and the lower back pain are the first places to feel it. Yeah. And so to work on those, just doing exercises and, you know, doing treatments, whatever sort of works, like, because it can be one of those things that's ongoing where you get little pains and not consistently all the time but you just might notice it every few days or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would say like the first time that you have that full trauma release with your hips, that big hip release, um, it's like very night and day difference in how you feel in terms of both pain and your mental health. Like you'll feel just a lot lighter and a lot more relaxed. People always ask me like, does the trauma come back? Does the pain come back? And like, hopefully not, right? But if you experience any other um, trauma, in your in your day to day, like you might experience that pain again. And so the cool thing about somatic exercises and the the courses are that now you have the tools to take yourself out of that pain. It's similar to therapy where they give you all these tools so that you don't repeat the same patterns if they Mm. come up again. Same thing with somatics. You now have the exercises. You've learned the technique for how to do them. You have those neural pathways already established in your body. So you have everything's laid out for you. So if it does happen again, you can go back to those tools and just use them again. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because you're right. So it's almost like seeing someone to get that initial treatment and then seeing them as you need. But then at the same time, sort of like the upkeep at home that you can do. So those exercises, those things that you can be doing for your body as you're processing things. Because you're right, trauma can happen in patterns. And I think a lot of the time people think of trauma as really serious things. And of course it is, but it can be things which are still serious. But like you mentioned, losing your job, you know, like a relationship breakdown, those are traumatic experiences for you emotionally. It's really hard. I think like for a lot of us, we're we're, um, maybe like in a bad pattern of dating people, you know, always that's a traumatic sort of cycle, right? So if you're constantly going through that, what is that doing over and over to your body in that cycle? It can just cause a lot of, especially if you're never addressing it and you're never treating it, um, it can eventually like erode your health. But the first thing that you'll notice is that you'll just start to feel pain and then other systems will start to break down. Maybe you can't sleep anymore or you start to get stomach aches all the time or headaches all the time. Um, or now you have an eye twitch and you're like, why do I have this eye twitch? You know, that happened to me in my late twenties. I was like dating people and I was like, why do I have an eye twitch all of a sudden? Like I, <laughs> this is my work. I know, I know what I'm doing, but then I like stopped dating and my eye twitch went away. So <laughs> you're like, they're the problem, obviously, you know? <laughs> Oh, I, lo- I love your dog, by the way. I see your dog in your videos, like lying on you when you do different exercises. Such a sweetie. She's a, she, she protects the trauma releases for, oh, for all of us. Yeah. yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people can relate, whether it's at a time that you were dating or, you know, not picking the right people. And even in that, it's hard. Like those are hard things to go through and meeting lots of new people and new energies around you and and being vulnerable. It's a hard experience to go through. So yeah, it makes sense that you would be, you know, going through something and your body's responding. But I don't think we think of it that way. We're just constantly focused on the separate 
things and how our mind is, we're so focused on that. And then when it comes to our bodies, it's more the physical, like what am I doing? What exercise am I doing? Like how is my body looking? And what do you think about that and how how it's so important to tie them both in together? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's incredibly important to tie them both together. And that's the thing that with somatics that's really interesting is it it connects your physical to both your emotional and your mental. Um, And it's really the only field of movement and of therapy that's somatics is the only one that's doing that. Um, Because, you know, Western doctors are all just about body, physical therapists, chiropractors too, they're all just about the body. If I go into the doctor and I'm like, I have an eye twitch, they're probably just going to prescribe me a muscle relaxer and be like, go away, which isn't actually getting to the reason why I have the eye twitch, which is that I've gone on a bunch of horrible dates with like people that aren't right for me that are triggering my past trauma and you know Mm. (laughs) blah 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 so so it's really important to to connect them and to have that awareness that everything is connected and when your body starts to break down it's really just trying to get more attention from you and essentially get you to take better care of yourself yeah because when so when you're saying you've gone through trauma and even if you are working with someone like yourself releasing it and doing those exercises you said that you know going on those for example those terrible dates that triggered something and a twitch in your eye so past trauma even though you can release it can then come up through situations and and you know show up in your body how does that work yeah I mean I think once you release it you've processed it and so it's um, it's not as likely to come back. Sometimes when you re-experience the situation, it can still be triggering because you haven't fully healed it, but it's less likely to have the same the same stuff come back. But you, you do kind of repeat patterns. So I, I always think about it like it's really important to heal your body with somatics. And it's also important to have that if you do have childhood trauma or any sort of like abusive relationship or toxic relationship history, I think it's important to also do talk therapy because they work so well together um, so that you know what your patterns are that you have language around it because if you don't have language around it it's really hard to know what's happening and identify what's happening you talk about the pain you're experiencing how young were you when you started experiencing this pain like were you a teenager you know what stage of life were you at I first noticed it when I was like 10, pretty young. It just got worse and worse as I got into my early 20s. And, you know, did some people think, oh, maybe it's growing. You know, you hear people saying, oh, she's got growing pains. You know, her bones are sore, you know. Is that something you experienced people saying to you when you said you were sore? Yeah, there was a lot of dismissing and, you know, just like, well, how could you be in pain because you're so young? And just kind of telling you that what you're experiencing, your pain isn't real. Mm, Sort of invalidating how you're feeling and, you know, you're healthy, you're strong. So like, what are you talking about? And, you know, I think a lot for people, regardless of our gender, but for women, it's, you know, where we've been taught to just, you know, look, don't show up, be quiet, do what you're told, look pretty. And you're telling them that you're sore and they're just, yeah, they're just saying that, oh, well, you know, it'll be fine. And it's hard because it's hard for people to test. I remember my sister used to have pains and they'd, you know, take her to the doctors, they'd get x-rays, they'd get tests and things, but nothing really shows up. So it's so hard for people, I guess, to work out what it is when they don't know and they th- they're thinking, I've got a sore back. They do all the things that to try help that sore back, but 
you know, how do they get to that point of working it out? Unless they're interested in something like this, how would they work it out? Yeah. And that's normally the point when I meet people is like, they're like, I've already tried doctors and, you know, pain medication and all of this other stuff. And I still can't figure it out. You know, I'm online every day trying to spread the word, but it almost just takes like this fierce, like determination, like I'm going to heal this pain. I don't want to live like this to somehow discover somatics still I think we're talking about it more it's getting out into the public more but it's still not very well known doctors still don't refer people like I wish that doctors would refer people if the tests come back and they can't figure out the source of the pain um, within their system I wish that they would refer people to somatic specialists yeah just like you know when it comes to medical stuff unless there's like medical evidence they don't like you know what I mean like they're not going to do that but then they recognize you know talk therapies and things which are really good for people's mental health so yeah I'm just wondering how people find you but you like you've said they find you when they're at the end of their they've tried everything and that's thankfully when they get some relief and they get to find what's really going to help them you know once they've tried everything else and it hasn't yeah because the the go-to is I'm in pain I go to the doctor or I have migraines I go to the doctor right and you'll try some stuff and that's what I did too that was my same same exact journey but hopefully as we continue to talk about it um, and as somatic people continue to experience how effective somatic healing is, the word will get out. Yeah, because do you see people, and I want to ask about the types of things you're treating, and but do you see people who have even maybe gone down having surgery and doing quite drastic things to their body and and what's the impact of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually worked. So I have like 14 years of clinical experience before I created these online courses. Um, and I used to work a lot with people who came out of surgery. Their surgery wasn't effective ultimately, which is so discouraging for that person because surgery is traumatic in itself. It's a ton of your time. It's a ton of money. And then to come out and still be in pain and have the surgery not work is really sad, you know? So a lot of people with their hips, with their knees, with shoulders, those were the main things that I was helping with rehab um, and with emotional trauma in those areas. Do you still do that now? Obviously, I know videos is part of getting your message out there, but do you still work in clinics or do you have people like, how does that work? Like, what are you doing and how has that changed over time for you? Yeah. Um, so I originally started getting mentored for about six years um, and was teaching on my own, but was mentored by this woman, Augusta Moore. Um, and then I kind of went off on my own and kept teaching one-on-one, -on -one, mostly referrals from like physical therapists and working alongside physical therapists and chiropractors. During COVID, I created the courses and the courses have taken off to the point like and in California at least our everything was shut down so we couldn't teach because we're not considered doctors so we couldn't like teach in person for for quite some time I would say eight months or so um so I created the courses during that time got on TikTok during that time and everything has really blown up um and so now I do the courses full-time which is so great because I used to only be able to take like 20 to 30 people per week because it's energetically really draining to be talking to people about their trauma all the time. So, you know, I had kind of 
boundaries around that for myself. So now it just like, I can help so many more people all at once. And I've found the courses are all 30 days long and people get the same healing in those 30 days that they would in like six months of one-on-one. So the courses are more effective because, because the emotional releases are so vulnerable. Like I think it actually works better to do it by yourself with a video lesson at your house where you're comfortable rather than like coming in, you know, being in a public space. We don't know each other yet. We have to get to know each other when I work one-on-one with people. So it just takes longer. Yeah. And it can be like that when you're going to different therapists and things, it's really good to do, but there's that whole, the first sessions usually just getting to know and like having to just tell everyone your stuff over and over again. And you kind of get overdoing it because you just want something to help, like to help right. with it, you know, like you're like, okay, so I'm going to bring it up again and talk about it. And it's like dating in a way you know having to hey what's your favorite color like over again to a million people (laughs) yeah yeah at a certain point you're like just give me the thing that's gonna work please (laughs) yeah still to come how does stress and trauma affect your hormones we find out about the trauma that led to liz's pain and exercises we can do at home we'll be back after a quick break i want to talk as well about Because it's really interesting looking through your work and trauma with your hormones. You did touch on our adrenals before. And, you know, when you go through something, it shoots the adrenaline through. And I myself have experienced adrenal fatigue in the past and had to work on that. So how does trauma affect our hormones? So there's the the adrenal glands that you just spoke about, and then it also spikes your cortisol. And so it just means that you're really running on stress hormones. The more you're activated and the more you're living in that survival mode state, you can just, it's called trauma drive when you're, the stress hormones are just taking you through the whole day. So trauma drive is when you can really push really hard and you can like keep working when you're exhausted you don't rest when you're tired you don't eat when you're hungry you just like keep going 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 people who have been in survival mode for a long time just end up kind of living in this trauma drive state their hormones have really taken over to the point where they're just always activated they're always like in that survival mode fight flight state because the adrenaline and the cortisol is just constantly pumping what are the impacts of being in that state for too long it just starts to like cause a lot of health issues so and and that varies person to person you know a very common thing that happens to people in that state is burnout or they'll have like a mental breakdown where just like all of a sudden one day they just can't anymore um some people get like panic attacks they'll start to get panic attacks like regularly, like almost daily um, or multiple times per week, because at a certain point, your nervous system just like can't, it's completely overwhelmed, it's completely overstimulated. And it's just going to start to kind of like short circuit, you might faint or have vertigo, if you have been living in that state for a really long time. And it can be really hard to get out of that state without some help from someone because it's sort of what you learn to know and you and especially if you're functioning and you're still working and everything or doing the things and People don't really understand that, hey, that person's really burnt out because they're still showing up. They're still doing and presenting like they're not. Absolutely. Is it like almost reprogramming yourself and how instead of being in survival mode, like programming yourself to know that, hey, that's actually not where we should be functioning from all the time and sort of reprogramming. And I think that a lot of that comes down to maybe how much you're working or different things you're doing and, and putting some boundaries in place with yourself. 
and other people too. A thousand percent. You can, I mean, especially if you have a lot of childhood trauma, you can um, grow up in survival mode and then just like live in survival mode. And, and it is so normalized that you don't even know that it's happening. For me, my personal experience was I like lived in survival mode for 20 years. And then once I finally started healing my trauma, it felt like the the best metaphor I have for it is like, I used to feel like I was in this like storm all the time. Like everything felt really chaotic, both internally and externally. I felt like this urgency all the time. Once I healed my trauma, it was like, landing in this meadow and the storm wasn't there and it was just like sunny and beautiful and I was just like this is so peaceful but it was weird for a while because I was so used to that like emergency mode that hyperactivated state and so I remember feeling kind of bored yeah <laughs> feeling kind of bored <laughs> you're like this isn't as challenging as it normally is yeah this isn't as hard this is actually quite easy and quiet yeah yeah, I was like, this, this is, it was just bizarre to, to be like, wow, this is an option. Because 20 years is such a long time that becomes your normal for most of your life, you know? So how did you transition from that stage to once you were releasing your trauma? It was really somatic exercises that, that took me there coupled with therapy. And then I did EMDR too. Yeah, I know it's really personal and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but well, what did you go through and, and how hard was that to hang on to it for 20 years before you were able to get some relief? There, you know, there are several things, but I would say the main constant in my life growing up was being from a narcissistic family system. I didn't know, and you know, most kids don't know what emotional abuse is and what that looks like. And it's invisible abuse. So if you're experiencing that on the daily as a kid, you have no idea that it's abusive and that it's, um, you know, it ends up affecting a kid's brain development. So that's the main, the main thing. So that must have been really hard for you. Yeah, I think learning about it, like I had no idea what was happening as it was happening. Learning about it later has been very validating, ultimately. Because I always had this sense, like, what? This is weird. So you kind of knew it <laughs> like, wasn't quite right. Yeah. Yeah. I always had a sense that something wasn't right. I didn't have the language. I didn't know how to articulate it. And so that showed up as pain in your body, right? Yeah. Aww. And that can be really hard too, breaking away from that sort of system, whatever it is for someone. You hear a lot about narcissism now in relationships, but you're right, when it's your family, whether it's parents or extended family, it's almost really hard to break away from that because it's your family. You almost can't escape them. It's not like when you have a friend and you're just not friends anymore you stop seeing them, your family is always around and they almost have not entitlement, but they expect to be in your life and you're expected to show up, whether it's at Christmas or whatever it is for your family and what you celebrate and what you acknowledge. Because was it really hard for you to set those boundaries once you learnt and to separate yourself from it? Yeah, it has been challenging. There's always an expectation with every holiday, it, the boundary is going to somehow change, you know, and like, all of a sudden, I just like, won't have boundaries anymore. You know, and but now I'm at the point where I'm like, huh, that's just interesting. And I have all these tools. And you know, um, I'm a Dr. Romani 
devotee. She's a psychologist on YouTube um, who specializes in narcissistic abuse. I feel, you know, I feel good now, but it has definitely been a journey. I think the the ways that narcissism affects kids, if you have a narcissistic parent, are very similar to the ways if you have a parent who's an alcoholic or a drug addict. I think the challenge with narcissism is that you don't see it. It's not visible. There's no like substance that you can be like, oh, that's clearly wrong what they're doing. And so that's kind of the learning curve of kids who are raised in a narcissistic family is like, you don't know it's happening until much later. Yeah. And you're constantly gaslit. So how do you know any different, right? Like your feelings aren't validated and it's not like you can blame it on someone drinking or doing drugs. It's like you said, it's invisible. It is someone's words that are very damaging and cause trauma, but in front of other people, they can hide that. They're not going to be drunk or they're not going to be, you know, high or anything. So people don't see the impacts or even like if someone's physically abusing you, abusing their children physically, it's not like you have marks on your body. That must be so hard because you've feel literally invisible yeah it, it was if someone's yeah. been through something similar which I know a lot of people will and they haven't heard people speak about it much and maybe until now or more recently what is it because I know when I had to first set boundaries as someone who is I think for a lot of us we're people pleasers right we want people to like us and we find it hard to set boundaries when you first start setting boundaries and you did and other people did how can people do that? Because it's very easy to say, well, just set a boundary and say this is how you feel. But when you are telling someone, hey, so for example, at Christmas, this is what I'm doing, you know, because I think that's a time where it shows up for a lot of people, the expectations that you must be here and this amount of time. And how do you set those boundaries when you're physically having to tell somebody or just exp- not explain it? You know what I mean? You're just sharing the boundary and it's very hard when you see their reaction in person and not to cave. So have you got some advice, people who maybe when they're doing that? I do it over the phone normally, (laughs) like on a voice call. I think the the best thing to do is, so there's this method that's kind of, it's called gray rocking, which is where you're like very unemotional about the way you respond and you give very short responses. So I suggest the gray rocking method, like just a simple like, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm not coming down for Christmas this year. They'll respond however they want to respond. And then you can just repeat, like, just wanted to let you know that's my decision. And that's really all. Like, there there doesn't have to be that much back and forth. And, you know, they might ask you why and just having a short prepared thing as to why works really well. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to make up an excuse. It can be, hey, this person makes me feel really uncomfortable and I would prefer to not spend the holidays with them. Um, and the the less emotional you are in response to whoever you're telling, like they don't have anything to fight against. They don't have any, they don't have any bait to, you know, to bite onto, to try to push you. And I think too, another thing with boundaries is you set the boundary and then you have to follow through on it. So for example, like if my family is in town, I have extended family here too. So sometimes my parents will come up and see my extended family and they'll be like, Hey, can we do this, this, or this? And you know, if I'm like, yes, we can grab a coffee as long as X person doesn't get angry. If they do get angry, then I just stand up and leave because my boundary has been crossed and it's just, you just get yourself out of there. So we're rocking and follow through. Yeah. And it can be hard when someone's reacting badly to you setting a boundary. I've experienced this. And like you said, if you're not 
going at it from emotionally or not getting wound up or anything, they it's not as hard for them. It's not as easy for them to protest, but they still do. So what do you what do you um, suggest people do in that when that situation when someone they're setting a boundary, they're telling the person, and the person is reacting badly and trying to antagonize and start a fight? Yeah, I would say just like walk away. Just be like, hey, you know, that's all. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all. And uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah. And I just wanted to share that with you. Talking about the exercises, and I want to talk about self-care. So what are some of your go-to self-care practices, things you do to take the best care of yourself? Yeah, I do um, somatic exercises in the morning in bed. It's my one of my favorite things. I'm a big fan of baths. I like to take baths in the evening. I do infrared saunas, um, which are like those red light saunas. They're really good for your skin, but also really good for just cellular health. I am a pretty regular consumer of massage. I really love to get massages, um, get all different types. Thai massage, craniosacral, I love it all. Um, And then to work out, I do Pilates on the reformer and on the machines. Yeah, the, I love reformer. When you get onto it, like if you if it's your thing, you catch the bug and you love it so much. Why is reformer so good for us? It's very soothing. The the sliding back and forth is very that it's also very therapeutic. That movement, um, it's similar to the rocking. Any sort of like sliding, rocking movement, swaying movement is very therapeutic for your body. So I think what's interesting about Pilates is you're like strengthening, but you're also calming yourself at the same time. And personally, I'm just like the hugest fan of exercising while lying down. <laughs> same. <laughs> if a workout's like a lying down one, I'm like, I am so like when I'm, I use an app and if I'm picking one on the app and it says like, on, you know, I'm lying down, I'm like, I that is me or on all fours. I'm like, that is me done. Like, you know, I can just <laughs> sit down or lie down. I'm in there. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I can do anything lying down. So let's <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Talk to us about those exercises in bed and people, I'll link them in the show notes where they can go watch your exercises and your videos. Talk to us about the exercises in bed because that's another thing. You know, not only are you doing something lying down, you're in your bed. So talk to us about the importance of doing things, whether it's when you wake up or when you're going to bed at night. Yeah. So the softer surface of the bed actually helps with the release of both tension and trauma. Your body just responds. So that's why when you put on like a cozy jacket or like a really cozy blanket, you just instantly feel relaxed because your tissues just respond and relax more. So that's why I tell people to do the exercises on bed because on the bed, because the floor is just hard. And even if you have mats, it's hard, it's cold, but your bed is warm, it's cozy. You're already associating, you already have positive associations with resting there. Just quickly, why is it good for you to do whether it's in the morning or at night? Why are those exercises important at that time? Yeah. So you can do the exercises at any time of the day and they'll be super beneficial. Personally, I love doing them in the morning because it just kind of sets me up to be open and relaxed throughout my day. So any sort of tension that I experienced while I was sleeping, I wake up, I just like do the exercises and then I, you know, feel very ready and, and also emotionally and mentally, I feel relaxed and connected and grounded to myself before I even get out of bed. And what about at nighttime? And is it good to do some of those soothing ones before night at all I remember I used to put my legs up on my wall at night sometimes I don't know I I haven't done it for a while but I used to do it all the time and it was quite good yeah they're great at night especially if you have like if you have stress during your day if you have a stressful job or um home situation or like just had a baby or anything like that like doing the exercises at night are are 
probably the best time for most people to do them. Just quickly, what are some exercises we could be incorporating into our daily or regular use that would be helpful for stored trauma or just, you know, making sure that you're releasing for your body? The um, therapeutic exercise, the therapeutic rocking exercise that I mentioned earlier, where you're laying on your stomach and rocking your hips side to side is really, really great. Another one where you're laying on your back and your knees are bent um, and facing the ceiling and you cross one knee like right on top of the other and then um, take your knees side to side. It's um, internal rotation for your hip joint and it's just really, really good if you sit down a lot during your day or if you're working on a computer a lot. It's one of the best exercises that you can do and it'll prevent sciatica. I want to go do stretches already. Before we yes. wrap up, I'm like, I already want to go. I've already done some this morning after my workout, but I, uh, yeah. Before we wrap up, a couple of things. With exercise, I think a lot of the time, and it's good to see more of a focus on Pilates now. I love Pilates. I did it this morning. Often it's a, you know, very much a focus on cardio or high impact or, you know, hit or strength. What are, and everyone's different, but what are probably the better exercises for our bodies? Pilates, I think, is one of the best. Swimming is also one of the best rowing on the rower is great because it gets your whole body and it gets your upper and lower body to work together stationary bike not necessarily like to the intensity of spin but stationary bike riding is also really great i always suggest if you're over 30 to do low impact stuff because just at a certain point your joints just can't really take it anymore it's quite humbling isn't it but why (laughs) why aren't the other high impact that I think we've been brought up on and we've been raised to think those are the most important you know you get results you get sweaty it's hard why are they actually not always the best um because most people don't have like perfect form and perfect technique like most people are slightly out of alignment whether it's because they sit all day or because they just they have bad posture so their shoulders are a little rounded or you know they look at a phone all day so their head's a little forward like this like most people don't have perfect technique and so when you're doing these high intensity like hit exercises you're actually just like slamming your body in this way and your body's not working efficiently it's just like a recipe for injury um if you have perfect technique then you're much safer to do those high impact exercises as someone who worked with people on physical fitness for 14 years one-on-one I can say that like 98% of people that I met did not have perfect alignment so that's why I suggest lower impact stuff and then if you're doing weightlifting weightlifting is great too weightlifting is wonderful it's really good for your body to lift weights and there's kind of a common misconception for women that you know weightlifting doesn't give you like the desired results that you want but actually strength training for women is incredibly important and you just want to make sure to set up as you're learning weightlifting to learn it like the first few sessions from someone like a personal trainer so that you have that good form as you're going through but because weightlifting is so static like you're not like jumping on to you know jumping onto boxes and like flipping tires and stuff like <laughs> I always so laugh much- at flipping <laughs> tires it's like yeah it's like we're not why are we training for the Olympics like what's going on here it's so much but yeah when you're weightlifting like if you know you have have a tendency to lift your shoulders up as you're lifting the weights above your head you can just be mindful of that the personal trainer will tell you and you can just remember to do that in all those high intensity trainings especially like they have like the music blasting the teachers normally like yelling at you to do stuff and you're just like 
in a whole different state of like crush it you know and it's so intense yeah yeah no definitely don't do that if you're healing from trauma like that's like the (laughs) worst thing yeah that is really interesting to hear because you hear it a lot and obviously it's linked in with like hormones and different things but it's really cool to hear you know reasons why and and that hey strength's really good and if your form's good so we love to hear that before we do wrap up I always ask what is some advice you would tell your younger self knowing what you know now what would you tell her I would tell her that your intuition is right and to not let other people take your power trust your gut healing is possible and a whole better life is is possible I think that was something that I I just didn't even know that there was how it felt to be healthy you know it's cool now and you've given us so much advice we're all going to take so much from this and you know like I said I want to go stretch already um what is some (laughs) what is some finishing advice you would like to share with those listening when it comes to you know looking into these modalities and maybe they want to release stress and trauma from their bodies and and make sure they take really good care of themselves. I would say that if you're interested in releasing um, trauma from your body, check out my social media first. It's at The Workout Witch on TikTok. That's where I post most often. And then I also have an Instagram at The Workout Witch underscore. Um, And there's a ton of sample exercises over there, as well as like educational videos on, you know, what neck pain, what does neck pain have to do with trauma, your fibromyalgia and your trauma, lots of different subtitles topics and just try some of the exercises and see how you feel you know and check it out Mm. it's very courageous to release stored trauma from your body um, but it feels incredible and how you feel on the other side is incredibly liberating and not just physically but also emotionally yeah totally we deserve to live a good life and feel good you know life you say like they say one life but it is for quite a long time even though life is short it's a long time to feel crap if you're not feeling good it's it's a long yeah. time for yourself and you're the only one that feels that right a thousand percent yeah oh gosh there's so much we could learn we're gonna go watch your videos and just quickly what is because you talked not about it what does trauma have to do with neck pain i'm curious now oh with neck pain so that's generally a sign that you have cptsd um, and that your dorsal vagus nerve is shut down. So if you've gone through just like a ton of trauma throughout your whole life, and it's just been very consistent, especially folks with childhood trauma, often their dorsal vagus nerve is shut down. And this nerve starts like at the base of your brainstem and runs all the way down to the base of your spine. And the nerve gets shut down because your nervous system is super overloaded. And it's shut down so that like to protect you from processing more trauma and more emotions. Um, and it's just an automatic physiological response not your fault but once you start getting pain from the hips into the back and that goes up to the neck that's just long lasting longer than three months so the back stuff's more long lasting yeah that once it gets up to your neck it's a really clear indicator that that nerve is probably shut down and it might feel painful or it might just feel like numb numbness too or dissociated does it include in your jaw because i know that i have quite like even when i move my mouth my jaw is always quite tight even if I try to loosen it it almost it makes a noise yeah yeah it does include your jaw right yeah well we're gonna learn yeah. lots we're gonna go look at your more of your work and people may be interested in your courses so we'll leave all those details but Liz thank you so much I loved being able to connect with you and thank you for your time I so appreciate it thank you so much Belle oh, awesome have a good rest of your day you too talk to you soon bye yeah bye
That's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening to the Self Love Club. Please support us. Make sure you hit follow on your podcast app to subscribe if you haven't already. Turn on automatic downloads as well. And if you're enjoying listening, please leave us a five-star rating and extra points for writing us a kind review. This is so important. It helps new people find our podcast. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. I'm at Belle Crawford, Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. We'll have all the links in our show notes. Plus, check out our home of pop culture, our podcast, Gloss. We'll leave the link as well in our show notes so you can listen to our deep dives on Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and so much more. We'll catch you soon. Bye.